Castillo. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Flight Deck Podcast, episode number 30. I got it right. Episode number 30. And joining me tonight is my guys, the usual suspects, my boys, Mr. Omari Brown and Mr. Matthew Freeze. What's happening, fellas? What's going on? What's up? What's up? We are one week closer to some real football. What's going on, guys? We got a taste of football this last weekend, and uh, we're going to get some more of it this weekend. But like Amari said, one week closer to the actual thing. Yeah, we we got a we got a small taste, man, uh, and, and we'll get into that taste in just a little bit. But as we always do, we're going to kick things off with Around the League. Yeah, for sure. So Around the League, I guess the biggest story that's come out of um, – the NFL this week is Jamal Adams, who used to be near and dear to our hearts. So Jamal Adams just re-signed. Well, he actually signed an extension to the tune of four years, $70 million, with $38 million guaranteed with the Seattle Seahawks, making him the highest paid safety in all of football, which we all know that he desperately wanted. And I think he needs to uh, get his juices going. So uh, that comes in around $17.5 million a year. That puts him ahead of Justin Simmons. Fellows, discuss. How do we feel about this? So, let me just start off by saying, hey, I'm glad that he got his money. I'm like you, you know, we all agree uh, here on the podcast that we are in favor of players getting paid. I have no problem with that. But I will say that I'm disappointed that it happened. Not because I, I didn't want to see him get paid, but because... I really and truly wanted him to be a distraction all year for Seattle and cause discord and, you know, major influx and all of that within those walls and let it flow out onto the field and help us in our draft pick that we have coming up in 2022's draft. So other than that, you know, I, I'm happy for the cat. Um, you know, he was one of my favorite players while he was here. I appreciated what he did. I didn't overstate what he did. Because, you know, he was a safety who couldn't cover, but who could blitz the quarterback in. Paying somebody that much for a team that was in flux like us and rebuilding and, you know, trying to come up, it just wouldn't work. And if we did sign him, we would not have been able to get the players that we have right now. So it worked for us. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm happy he, for him that he got paid. He got what he wanted. Do I think he deserves it? Uh, no, I, I don't. But again, you know, at this stage in the NFL and in free agency and, and players getting resigned and stuff like that, they get what they want ultimately, or they just set out until they do. And that's kind of what Jamal was going to do anyway. And to be honest with you, I don't think it would have made a difference if Jamal got signed or not. The distraction would have made a difference because I don't think he's that pivotal to what the Seahawks are going to do this year. If I'm being honest, I think that, the most, I mean, we all agree that the most important player on the field is the quarterback, the person that's going to win them the games. We saw what happened when Aaron Rodgers went down and the Packers went, what, six and 10 or whatever. They couldn't win a game. Does it really matter if Jamal was causing problems and, and, and issues in the locker room? I don't really think so. I think as long as Russell Wilson's there, it's not going to make a difference. Now, do the Seahawks have a, a real problem with trying to get Dwayne Brown, their, their franchise left tackle sign to protect Russell Wilson? Yeah. Did they just pay Jamal Adams $17.5 million a year with $38 million guaranteed? Yeah, but, I mean, good for Jamal, but I don't think, you know, 
whether he got paid or not was going to make a difference for the overall scheme of this team. I think that this team's still going to be competitive. Now, do I think their division got better? Absolutely. Do I think that they're the favorites to win their division? I wouldn't put them ahead of, of pretty much any team in that division. So I don't think Jamal really is a make or break, whether they sign him or not, but I understand the distraction part of it. But I mean, again, it's Jamal. He was going to get paid no matter what, whether that's with them or, or going to Dallas or somewhere else. So Good for him, I guess. I don't want to sound like a bitter ex, you know, bitter fan or anything like that, but I don't think it really makes a difference to me. Yeah, I'm one of those people that have always been good with, uh, you know, breaking away free, starting over clean. So I have no animosity towards Jamal Adams. The only thing that I am worried about in Seattle is that they don't do good so the Jets can get a better pick. I think that the Seattle Seahawks, I don't think that they had any leverage at all. I know that they threatened to franchise him for two additional years, but then you just end up paying him more guaranteed money. I think that this deal, I think Seattle would have done a a service to themselves by extending Jamal Adams right after the trade, because then you would have been able to save some money. Because then Justin Simmons deal comes out and then you're probably, you're possibly only playing Jamal, maybe 15 to 16. Minimal savings, but maybe they could have saved some money on the guaranteed money or maybe the entire amount of the deal. But yeah, I, I'm, I don't really feel that Jamal Adams is a force multiplier. He's a really good player. He, he's getting really good at, at blitzing and timing up the blitzes, but I think that he still, to, to an extent, is a liability in, in deep coverage. Um, he doesn't really neutralize any of the tight ends. I, I don't think that we think that he's going to neutralize George Kittle or anything like that. If he, if he was a Kittle stopper, then I think that he'd be doing something. I still have them as the – I have them tied with the with the Cardinals. I think it, it's, a, it's a coin flip between those two being the fourth team in that division. Yep. I think I think a healthy San Francisco. I think Matt Stafford with Sean McVay. I think those, guys, those two are going to be battling out for the number one seed in that division. So I don't know. I, I think, I think Seattle is a highly flawed team that is just masked up by the greatness of Russell Wilson. So they just like you said, Matt, they go, they'll go as far as Russell Wilson goes. And if Russell Wilson gets hurt, no, we don't wish injuries here, but it'll, it'll go down. It'll go downhill really quick in Seattle. And they're just, they're just tying up so much money into like, like, realistically Russell Wilson and now Jamal Adams and now they're going to have to pay Dwayne Brown. I mean, realistically Dwayne Brown is significantly more important to that team than, than Jamal Adams is just on the basis that we've read how many stories over the last couple of years of Russell Wilson, just getting tanked, needing help on the offensive line, literally saying, Hey, I want out of here. I'm, you know, my career's in jeopardy, right? What is the strongest point of two of the teams at San Francisco and the Rams? Their front, their front seven is pretty damn good. Contains two of the best pass rushers in the NFL. So I think it would be more important to get your franchise left tackle signed than it would be to get a, a, a box safety that can't cover. But that's just me. Yeah, but Dwayne Dwayne Brown is like thirty seven years old, and he his paydays are his paydays are pretty much done. Jamal is up next. He's young. He's in his prime. He's a vocal leader, and you just surrendered two premium draft picks for him. So you have to you have to you have to sign him. How are you going to tell the fan base that we that this guy was important enough for us to trade two first rounders, but he's not important enough for us to make him the highest paid at his position? Whether you think that it's a position of declining value or not, it's st- he's still one of the top five players at his position. And he does do something extremely well, which is blitzing. Mm-hmm. And in Seattle's defense, I think that I think we're gonna probably see him playing a lot more will too. 
like with like just to switch up the personnel. Like if you got teams coming out in trips a lot or, or or quads, you could easily slide Adams down to the second level, and then you could bring another. You could bring two more DBs on the field. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. But listen, George Kittle, Kerry Kittle's bag of Skittles. It don't matter. He ain't covered nobody. The only thing he's doing now is making it to where if May balls out, that uh, tag has shifted upward, and the Jets will have to pay even more this year. So, thanks, yeah. Jamal. Thanks. Yeah. Listen, I, I listen. I'm thanking Jamal because of Elijah Vera Tucker, and I will continue to thank Jamal. And I'm gonna I'm gonna thank Jamal when we. Pick the now best the edge rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This next yeah. draft pick, whether it's a shutdown corner or an edge rusher to go along with Carl Lawson. So thank you, Jamal. I uh, hope the taxes in Seattle are a lot less than they are in New York. They are. <laughs> yeah, good for him, man. Uh, another big story that we don't really think is is important, but it kind of is. Tim Tebow was cut by the Jaguars. <laughs> what do you guys have to say uh, about Tim Tebow, Matt? <sighs> Nepotism doesn't always, you know, doesn't always work. I mean, he really got the 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 shot because of Urban Meyer and the familiarity there. But I mean, let's be honest, Tim Tebow doesn't belong on an NFL roster. He doesn't belong on an NFL practice squad. If he would have made that roster, he would have been taking a job away from someone who deserved it. A player that, you know, has fought, you know, blood, sweat, and tears and hasn't been playing baseball for the last six years in the minor leagues. So I mean. I, I, obviously this dude can make money doing commentating for the sec doing all this other stuff. I'm like, it, it just is what it is. I mean, the writing was on the wall. We all knew it wasn't going to, or at least we all thought, you know, rational people thought that he was never going to make the roster. And it looks like we were right. And you know what? I mean, he's a good guy. I'm sure he'll find other opportunities elsewhere, but I think it's time to hang it up, call it a career. Cause those two blocking attempts that I saw were just miserable. Like I, my, my grandma could have done a better job. Like you got to keep your head up and not spear your own teammate. Why is it with Tebow? There always has to be a caveat that he's a good guy. Nobody's talking about if he's a good guy or not. Can he play football? I hate I that. Like, I hate that shit so much. <laughs> I'm not asking about him being a good guy. I don't care if he's a good Now, Granted, I don't want him out here, you know, you know, hurting hurting people and, and breaking laws, but you there's can be a lot an of good guys that don't make. Listen, it. let me tell I'm you something. Sure if you're that. listen, if you're an asshole, but you're an amazing quarterback, you can be my quarterback because I'm not. Ryan I don't really need you to be a great person. See, and that's another thing. Why do people think he's an asshole? Hey, but I, I I don't. I just don't understand it. Right? It's just a stigma. It's what it's the yeah, general but, population look at him through one lens, where it's like, oh, he's the guy, the religious guy who always put Jesus and this stuff first when he went on the field and whatever. So they always associate him with being a good guy. Yeah, and that has nothing. Yeah, that has nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with football. Nothing to do with football at all. TK, what else you got? So listen, I honestly believe that Tim T Commandments Tebow really is sitting up thinking to himself. I should have listened to Rex Ryan back when I was on the Jets. It really worked at being an H back in the tight end. I think if he would have did it then, he would probably be winding his career down rather than trying to kickstart it again. Um, like, he he really shouldn't have been there, man. I'm going to be real. Um, it, it's, it's one thing to switch positions uh, coming out of college or even a year or two after being in the league. And it can be done. We've seen it. Uh, 
Terrell Pryor is a great example of that. Came in as a quarterback, did it a couple years. He had his few moments as a quarterback, but wanted to stay in the league. Went to wide receiving, had, I believe, a couple of thousand yard receiving uh, years. And he, matter of fact, he was with us too, <laughs> just like Tim Tebow, except Tebow didn't listen. So here we are. Um, it's no surprise that he got cut. That blocking attempt was pathetic. Um, and yeah. He, he, I knew it was he, when when they turned him down for tight end. You, I knew he didn't have a chance. Shouldn't have been there. Yeah, he shouldn't even got a, an invite to tight end. You, he had just as much state going to tight end. You as me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't have anything to add. I don't have yeah, I don't have anything else to add on on Tim Tebow. Um, I thought it was more of a publicity stunt than anything. And yeah, I, I think if he would have humbled himself. Uh, a while ago, like you said, TK kind of done with what a, what a lot of other quarterbacks have had to do. I think that he would have just been, I think that he would have been, he would have been fine. But I think he likes, he likes the idea of being the quarterback, the attention that comes with being the quarterback. Yeah. That's why he, that's why he ran in the rain without his shirt on. The guy oh, likes yeah. attention. Yeah. So, yeah. Ego, college, ego hubris, man. Yeah, man. Listen, more power. Yeah, more power to him. I'm sure you know he's already making a bunch of money. I think he makes what almost a million dollars just preaching. So <laughs> shout out. So <laughs> shout out to him. But guys, let's switch gears. Let's get into these Jets preseason game one. Jets top the New York Giants twelve to seven. There were a lot of good. There were a lot of good takeaways. But I think uh, overall, I think it was unanimous that we wanted to see a couple things. We wanted to see. Um, Attack, uh, dominating the point of attack on both sides. We wanted to see uh, some competent QB play from the rookie, and we wanted to see a fast defense. And uh, I don't know, I can speak for you guys. I think that we saw all three of those facets of the game, and I think we were highly impressed. So we'll just go through, and um, we might as well just start with the rookie QB, Zach Wilson. Uh, TK, tell me what you liked about Zach Wilson. So uh, this is what I liked. I liked the fact that, he showed poise in the pocket. He showed that dynamic arm talent that everybody raved about from the jump. And even though the offense was vanilla as hell, uh, defense was, you know, vanilla, he still showed, you know, that he can grasp an NFL offense. He didn't look, he didn't look overwhelmed by anything. Um, I do like the fact that every he was six for nine, uh, 63 yards, which equates to about, uh, you know, a first down every completed pass. Uh, I liked his timing. I, I I realized then that I was going to pick Corey Davis as one of my wide receivers in my fantasy leagues because they have nice chemistry going on. And uh, like he, he, he looks like he will be ready, man. I don't care what we hear in practice, uh, you know, the picks and all of that. I, I'm anxious to see him, you know, in more extended time before the season start. But what I saw this past week, I was really impressed by and really, you know, really glad that he showed what he showed because there was a lot of, you know, doubt and a lot of what ifs going on. And he kind of quieted a lot of that. Yeah, he definitely shut some people up. Obviously, we know it was limited, very vanilla offense, not a lot going on. But I mean, we can only kind of judge what, was on tape, you know, in, in those short two series. But I mean, I think what we saw was 
you know, very good footwork in the pocket, stepping up in the pocket. And he was able to do something that I don't think we've seen in a while, which is be comfortable in the pocket, which is important realistically. I mean, when you have a pocket to step up, step up into, you can deliver throws, especially timing throws on your back foot, which I think he had that one out route on third down to Corey Davis, where it was just purely a timing thing. It was the ball was out as Corey came out of his break. And that's just stuff you like to see. And obviously we all know the giants weren't putting anyone out there that was, you know, remotely close to a starter. I think there might've been a couple of starters on the defense, but I mean, beyond that, Zach Wilson looked like he belonged. I think that's really what Jets fans wanted to see. It didn't matter who was, whether it was the number ones or the number fours on the field for the giants. It didn't matter. As long as he looked comfortable, he was going through his reads. He was taking the check down. He was taking what the defense gave him and, and reading the defense appropriately. And I think that, he checked every box that you'd want to see in the first preseason game. You know, obviously we have the joint practices this week, so we're hoping for more, you know, improvement and so on. But, you know, just based on what I saw, you can see that I I really think that him and Corey Davis are going to have a really big connection this year. I think that they're going to put up some numbers. And overall, I think I just left, you know, with what I – I had already believed was that he was going to go out there and he was going to, you know, do the very simple things at a high level. And ultimately that's what he did. I don't think any throw was, was too big for him. Any throw was too difficult for him. I think another thing that we saw was it kind of just proved his arm strength because he really was just kind of, you know, blistering the ball in there. So other than that, I mean, everything that, that we all thought was kind of proven that day, I think. I came away impressed. Uh, you you know when when the scouts rave about something all off season and and when when you've done your own scouting, you actually like to see it when it's on when it's on the NFL stage. So we saw the the pocket presence, we saw the the zip of the ball, we saw the anticipation. Uh, Matt, you talked about the uh, the out route. Uh, that that's one of the toughest plays. That's one of the toughest throws to make in football. People don't know from one hash going to the opposite hash. People think that it's only a fifteen yard out, but when you're on the far hash and you have to make that that out throw, that takes a lot. I think that ball travels probably maybe 35, 40 yards, maybe even more. So to be able to throw that on the rope to where it can't be undercut. That's huge. And we actually saw that in practice multiple times. We saw Zach defeat cover two multiple times with that same throw. So to actually see it in the game was really good. I think uh, I came away with this. The Jets aren't going to put Zach in a position. They're going to do their best. They're going to do their best to put Zach in a position to succeed. So I think that they're, I think it's going to be heavy, heavy dose of run. We saw three running backs in there uh, doing their thing. We saw a lot of, we saw a lot of motion so like I, f- I felt like even though the offense was very vanilla, they also revealed a lot. It's going to be a lot of motion. It, like it's going to be the zone scheme is going to work really well, and I think that they're going to put Zach on the move a lot too, and they're going to use his athleticism to w- and have him only uh, focusing on half the field. So I, I came away thoroughly impressed, and I actually liked the flow of the game uh, that that the floor had. And I, and honestly, Zach's numbers could have been a little better had uh, Tyler. Cr- off not fell down and it wasn't a mix up with Corey Davis but I j- just just along with Zach I, I thought that it was a a really good debut like I don't think that he did anything wrong and he looked exactly how he was supposed to look against the Giants uh backups so so that's so that's what I really liked about that let, let, me, let me just throw this in there man um like we're talking about Zach and I know they only put up 12 points but golly, man, the offense looked light years ahead of what we saw with Gase. Like the it was, and it was again very vanilla. 
But unlike Gase, it wasn't predictable. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, my God, we we used to sit there and watch the games, you know, talking back and forth. And you could literally just say, uh, run left, run left, screen pass, punt. Like, you could just call it out. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they ran and they came back to play action and you saw the rollouts and, like, and I think while, while the game's going on, I might have messaged, you know, hit in the message group, like, like man, they're using his attributes early and often. We didn't see that with, with Sam and, and Gase. Now, I don't know if it's because of the, the player or because Gase is just terrible, a combination of both, which probably is what it is. It's but, a combo of a lot of things. Yeah, but but that was really refreshing to see. How, what did you guys think about all, all the quick routes? There was a lot of uh, three-step drops. They're like I don't think that they're going to do a lot of five and seven I love step it. drops early in, early in the early in the season. I love I, it. Yeah, I I love it too because that that means we have the personnel to pull that shit off correctly, and we saw this happening basically. You know, without Elijah Moore, Crowder didn't play a whole lot. You know, so like the really quick guys, Crowder. Uh, Braxton Berrios, Elijah Moore, like they didn't, they weren't really there. You know what I'm saying? So Keelan Cole, Keelan Cole. So like you, you see those players not there. You still see the Florida offense when they get everybody there and everybody on the same page. It, it could be some you know sight to behold. Yeah. What did you guys think? Of, I, and I and I thought the same thing. I also thought that the offensive line gave him. A lot of time as well too, and granted, we do know that that is the backups. But there, but there was some people uh, on the field that that were gonna that are gonna play for the Giants. Is Diesel Jalari, namely being one of them, the Giants' uh, first round pick. He got a he got a crack at Mount Beckton. Um, I like the offensive. I like the flow of the offensive line. They seem as I think this this unit as a run blocking unit is going to be one of the best run blocking units in in the league. Definitely in the AFC, but I, I think in the league, the way that they like. On one play, the right side, the right side did really well too. I think Ben Rowan and and Morgan Moses are even fan. I think they're going to be an underrated duo over there. But I definitely liked what I saw in the run game. What what were some of the things you guys noticed in in the run game, Matt? Well, I mean, first play from scrimmage was what a fifteen yard run to Ty Johnson off the left side. He looked good, yeah, and he looked good. There was a hole there, and obviously AVT wasn't playing. Obviously, I think Feeney was was the starting left guard on, on that play. And, and we've read some mixed reports about him in practice, but at game time, you could just tell that, that they were, they were getting that push on that left side of the offensive line, which is what we've been harping on for, for weeks now is that that left side of the offensive line is just going to be the, the anchor of this offense. But to your point, to your credit, I mean, the right side looked equally as good. I saw that, the, but both sides of the offensive line gave up zero pressure worthy plays. I don't recall a, a run that got stopped outside of that fourth down conversion that we didn't get behind the line of scrimmage. I don't recall anyone jetting through the, the guard, the guard positions at all. So, I mean, to be honest with you, I was thoroughly impressed. And I thought that even just the, on, on, you know, that first run, just seeing the, the you know, Beckton out in space a little bit more you know, get to that, you know, not the second level, but almost get to the second level and just kind of pile drive his guy down. It was, it was impressive. And I think honestly, what, what we've been saying is that this last year might've just been, a, I mean, it could be, could have been a cohesion issue or, or whatnot, but I just think that this running scheme is going to be more adept for the guy, the personnel that we have this year. And, and I think that it, obviously it's early, but even on the second team and the third team, they were given the quarterbacks time and, I think that that's all you could really ask for. And, 
You know, I think Moses also, I think I forgot one of the plays. I think it was a third down. I think Zach Wilson was patting Moses on the head for giving him some time in the pocket and whatnot. So overall, I just left with the offensive line being probably one of the more impressive units in totality. And I'm, I'm hoping, especially this weekend in the preseason, I think the guys are going to play a little bit more. We're going to, we're going to get to see more of that offensive line against some better, better pass rushers. Yeah, there weren't that many negative plays. And the play that you're talking about, that fourth, uh, fourth down play to Piran, I believe Tyler Croft missed his assignment. So that's actually the real reason why that happened. It was either Feeney or it was either Feeney or Tyler Croft. I, I forget. But yeah, yeah, Tyrus, what else do you have to add about the offensive line? Hey, uh, I like to officially amend my pick of uh, guards. <laughs> oh no 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 no! It is it is way too early with that. You have to ride this thing out, buddy. Listen, I was you are you have to ride this thing out. Look, full disclosure, everybody. I was drinking on that episode. Look, man, the the mullet got abused, dog. Like it was two plays that I distinctly remember. Uh. He it was like as soon as they hiked the ball, he was on his back. Like he got destroyed on a couple of occasions. And I was like, like, dude, what are you doing? I've been I've been riding shotgun for you since the day you got here. And this is the thanks I get. Like, come on, man. But outside of that, um, I think that the line will be will be good, you know. We got AVT, they working him in, working him back in slowly. And once they get that cohesion, that that level of comfort with each other, we will see a lot of great things happening, both in the run and in the in the past game, man. Um I, I'm I really like what I saw. Not with just uh Fant and Moses and Van Rodden and you know um Becton. But with, you know, some of the backups as well, man, like it was some solid play. Uh, granted, it was against, you know, twos and threes. But even then, they were still dominating at the line of scrimmage. So that shows me we we have, you know, as, as I see it, solid depth that can get us through a, a, a couple weak injuries, you know, something like that was to happen. We have uh, versatile players who can fill in and – keep it going. So I like what I saw. Yeah, it was good to see. And then you didn't even see a drop off with the second and third team lines. I thought Connor McDermott looked decent, even though he's been a turnstile at times. Um, Feeney stayed in and he, he got a little better as the game went along. Um, I didn't really see much from Edogo or anybody else, but yeah, they, they were, they were given um, James Morgan and Mike White enough time. Um, yeah. Dolphins line, man. It, it's, it's just been, it's actually been really good to see the the turnover and how much talent is now in that room. Uh, let's move over to the running backs. I thought the running backs look. I thought all the running backs look good. Uh, I said to you guys in the group chat. I said the twenty twenty class is kind of showing out because Beckton is doing what he does, and, and we'll touch on Beckton a little bit more. Um, as a matter of fact, no, no, let's get into Beckton right now. So Beckton's been having a lot of trouble with Carl Lawson. Now, a lot of people are saying, you know, is, is should we be concerned about Makai Beckton? Is how good is that? You know, how good is Carl Lawson really? I'm starting to think, y'all, Makai Beckton is just trying new new techniques in practice. I truly think that's what it is. It's an entirely new scheme. He they, he's probably fidgeting and and trying and tweaking some things because he he does exactly what we saw him do 
on his college film. He's so big that his technique probably doesn't even have to get ready. And who knows? He's probably just not a good practice player. He probably doesn't get up for practice. He he threw Aziz Ojolari five yards laterally in, in one of the run plays. One of the run and then one of the run plays, uh, he actually, I don't even know if you could say that he really won the play. Beckton engaged, pushed him off, and then and then just let him go. And then Aziz made the play. And then that Giants beat writer said that he beat Makai all day, but Every time I saw that, uh, Beckton was putting a corkscrew in him. And then um, we got reports today that Beckton gave up a couple sacks in the joint practice with Green Bay. I don't think that there's anything that we need to be alarmed about because I think at the end of the day, Makai is too big and he's too strong. And I think that even what he lacks in technique, he makes up for brute strength and size. Yeah, I don't – I'm not worried. I I just – like you said, like we we heard all about him in practice with Carl Lawson. And by the way, Carl Lawson is giving Green Bay fits right now, too. So take that for what it's worth. But some guys just, like you said, don't get up for practice. But when the lights come on, it's go time. And he showed us it was go time because you saw the runs. Like everybody was eating, running behind him. Absolutely. Listen, I – could have got six yards on the carrot. Absolutely. Too. It looks like this coaching staff understands where, where highway, highway 77 leads, and that's right to the end zone. Exactly. So, in the words of Aaron Rodgers, relax. Relax, people. I, I don't think it's that big a deal. Now, week one and week two, he getting destroyed. I'll revisit him like, wait, we need to get somebody over there to do something. But as of right now, and even then, I don't see that happening. But as of right now, man, I'm I'm not worried at all. If he if he goes out there this weekend because um you know the 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 first team is probably going to have maybe like half a dozen series. If he goes out there and he stonewalls the Smith brothers and Rashawn Gary, that's it. No everybody, I don't care if he loses if he loses every snap from now until week 1. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. What you got, Matt? I'm not in a panic. I mean, the only thing that I've ever panicked about with Beckton is his health, if I'm being honest, because when he's on the field, he's a dominant player. When And even when he does give up a sack, he very rarely gets beaten like a drum, you know, multiple times within a game. So I'm not concerned about Beckton at all. You know, it, that that beat writer needs to be quiet because, I mean, outside of, like you said, he just pushed Aziz to the side like a rag doll, and then Aziz made the play because he's fast. You know, whatever. He, got behind, he pushed him beyond the line of scrimmage. But at the end of the day, Beckton's fine. I think this is uh, – last year I don't recall him be, being asked to really be out in space quite as much. So I'm sure that a lot of this has to do with, you know – having a master a, a different technique to make sure that he's getting to the second level when he's asked, when he's dropping into his kick set, when he's, when he's asked and so on and so forth. So this is just, it seems like it's a, it's a technique thing. Obviously we, I've read the reports today about the, you know, the joint practices with the Packers and him having some difficulty with Preston Smith. But again, you know, if we're talking week one, week two, and this is happening and he's getting beaten bad. We have contingency plans. I mean, we really do. We have fan, we have Moses too. Both are perfectly capable of playing, playing either tackle position. If they're asked to, obviously you don't want to see that. Obviously that's not what Jets fans hope for. We hope for the same Beckton we got last year, if not, you know, significantly better. But I think this is just a case of a new playbook, a new coaching staff, you know, getting asked to do different things and just trying to master his craft. I think that he's as motivated as ever. I don't think it's a question of that. I don't even think it's a question of his health at this point because he looks like he's in relatively good shape. And on the field, they don't look like he was asking for a breather every two plays. 
So I, I don't have anything to, con- to be concerned about. But, you know, we'll, we'll probably monitor this week to week and see how it goes because, I mean, he has a tough tough opening game against some good pass rushers and Hassan Reddick and, and Brian Burns with the Panthers. So, And to be quite honest with you, Brian Burns is, is more of a speed rusher, which is what's been giving him trouble realistically. So we'll, we'll get a good, a good visual on that. You know, you know, all, all things, you know, considered hoping for, for good health for all the, you know, guys going into week one, but I got nothing to be concerned with Beckton about. I mean, like you guys said, it could also just be, he plays better when the lights are brightest and that just might be, might be what it is, but we'll see. Cause I don't even remember the reports coming out last year. I'm pretty sure he was injured part of training camp. So who knows? Yep. Well, he was definitely clearing. Um, he was definitely clearing the way on Saturday night. So I, I'm. I don't think that I'm. I'm no longer worried about Makai Beckham as long as his weight is under control. Uh, how did the running backs look to you guys? Uh, the Jets came out and they featured Ty Johnson, who we all think is going to be the probably the main guy, along with Tevin Coleman, Michael Carter. But Michael Carter looked good. Michael Carter is definitely shifty. I think Michael Carter is going to be a tough. He's going to be a tough guy to bring down behind that big offensive line. He's very low to the ground. He's super shifty and he finishes runs well. Ty Johnson is super speedy. I think that he could be in a thousand yard rusher if he gets 250 to 300 carries. And the Michael Piran looked pretty good too. The Michael Piran could be, uh, I think I could view him as a finisher. One of those got a power back that comes in towards the end of the game when the defense is tired, just to kind of finish them off. Uh, TK, what, how did the running backs look to you? Anybody stand out in particular? Um, No. Nobody really stood out because like everybody was doing their thing. I I enjoyed the different aspects that each guy provided. Man, I take that back. Ty Johnson has a dangerous first cut, man. Like, and he is so decisive with, with that cut. And he's fast as all get out, you know. So it's it's like I was watching that, and I'm I'm looking at it and I'm saying to myself. I feel bad for Adams because that's that's who's gonna be the odd man out. Like I, I I don't I don't see them putting Johnson on the practice squad. I don't think he's eligible. I don't I don't see Carter going to the practice squad. I don't see P Ryan going to the practice squad. Uh because somebody gonna lift both of those guys if you put them there. So I I'm thinking so carry four. Yeah, and I'm thinking Adams is the odd man out because man they look good man they did they and did. I would like to see Adams get some second or first team reps just to see yeah but it, it, it my my thing is like and, and I'm sure we'll we'll see this uh this coming game like I think everybody should get you know two three touches with that first team in in the preseason game just to see how they are with with Beckton and, and Fant and, and Moses and, and all of them. But dog, it was it was something awesome to see. Uh I there there I dare I said I, I honestly believe we would be like a top eight rushing team with the combination of maybe three guys with at least six to seven hundred yards. I I could really see that. I think we're going to carry four backs. Um, but out of the four, the ones that obviously impressed me and they, they clearly impressed you was, was Ty Johnson, just because I think he fits this, this scheme the best. 
I think his first cut is insane and his ability to get to the second level and, you know, change of change of direction. And then he has that extra gear that it would take to get, you know, to the house, which is something that I'm not saying Michael Piron doesn't have it, but uh, he's more of like a four, you know, a high four, four guy, four, five guy. But Ty Johnson has legitimate, you know, second level speed. And he's the guy that, you know, when you look at, you know, what the 49ers had, I think where he mostered was, was their back. He has that second level speed. So Ty Johnson to me, stood out from that first carry on. Obviously the offensive line is a big part of it, but he just stood out because I just think that out of all the backs, he has that legit, you know, four, three speed that went, or I don't even know what he ran in the 40, but it looks like he's fast as hell on the field. Four, three. Yeah. He's a, so, he's a four, three guy. You know, you open up lanes and stuff like that. And, and you, your offensive line is getting to the second level. You watch out. Cause this guy can, can, can break a long one. And I think that, he out of all four of the running backs that I think we're going to end up keeping on the roster is the one that fits, you know, should be the, the, the bell cow, so to speak, or get the majority of the carries. Obviously it's, it's, it's a luxury to have four backs that we would think are going to get a good amount of carries. Cause you always have fresh legs. Then I think LaMichael Piron should be on this team. I think for in a special teams role and in a situational rusher, maybe second down, third down, if they need a breather, so on and so forth. I think Michael Carter probably has the best hands out of the four backs that I would keep. And I think Tevin Coleman just makes it because of familiarity with the system and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. It just gives that veteran presence. But I also think that, and it sucks because like you said, Adams is going to be kind of the odd man out, but that dude runs with some bad intentions. I've never seen that guy have a negative play. He's always moving forward. So it's like, that's a, still a guy that you, you gotta, gotta give a look now again, you know, Amari, you said last year's draft class was kind of showing out and it wasn't Michael Piron was part of that last year's, you know, class, but without a doubt, I mean, I think we're keeping four backs. I think, uh, you know, Adams is the odd man out, but I'd give him a look. I'd give him all touches this weekend. And, and, and obviously Carter is going to make the roster, but I don't know if Josh Adams and, and Piron might be an, an actual competition. Who knows? Yeah, I think the the, the running back locks, like definite locks, are Carter and Johnson. I think those two. I think I think those might those two might be the featured backs after the first quarter of the season. Like it one, if they determine that they, because I think Tevin Coleman is going to stick around just for his what he can do on third down as far as blocking and protecting the quarterback. But I think that Michael Carter King is going to be the third down back after a while too. So I could also see that. But I, and I think we also have to give. The Michael Pio on his props because he scored the only touchdown for the Jets. So that, so that was awesome to see as well, too. Uh, sticking with the offense, the receivers all looked really good. Uh, we've been talking about the receivers a lot. I mean, we could start off with uh, Corey Davis. You could tell that he's going to be – he's going Zach Wilson is going to lean on, on Corey Davis a lot. Uh, he did exactly what he should do to Rodarius Williams. He It seems like he was open the entire time. Um but I think the receiver that we really want to talk about is Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims had a really solid game, had a couple of receptions. Uh, and uh, the biggest one was when he basically ran through the in- entire Giants defense, carrying guys, <laughs> shrugging off tackles. And he converted, I believe it was third and 14 or third and 15. And he got like 16 or 17 yards. So it was really good to see Denzel Mims. Uh, we talked about it last week at, at almost ad nauseum. For some reason, the narrative is that Denzel Mims is on the roster bubble and the reports are anything but that coming out of Jets camp. And he did exactly what you're supposed to do as a second rounder, as a person that we feel that could be a starter and a solid contributor. He did exactly what he was supposed to do against the Giants backups. Uh, Matt, well, how did you feel about Denzel Mims' performance? Uh, he did everything that he should have done against 
who he was matched up against. I mean, when you're, when you're a former second round pick that many believe can be a top one or two wide receiver in the NFL, you know, with the jets, obviously you go out there and you got to show out. And I think that honestly, this whole narrative with the whole, he's on the bubble and this, that, and the other, I think this kind of just motivated him. I, I really do. I think that, that, when you and correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys saw the reaction of Salah and LaFleur and even Keelan Cole when he came off after that really long, you know, yards after catch reception. They were enamored with him. They were so happy with him because they know what they, it, it ultimately Denzel Mims has all the potential in the world. It's just a matter of unlocking it. The only person that's able to do that is himself. And I think that when you have the coaching staff that's pushing you to get better and you're pushing yourself to get better, and then they're the first to congratulate you for doing what you did. And again, I understand it's against second teamers, third teamers, you know, even some fourth teamers or whatever, but you were on the field for a reason. You got to show the coaching staff why you were that former second round pick. And I just think he did. And honestly, I don't think after a performance like that, you can even joke about him being on the roster bubble anymore. I, I think that's just, you know, the, the, the B writers and, and everyone's just going to have to find a new target to, to call as being on the bubble. Cause realistically, I don't think Denzel Mims ever was ever will be as far as this year is concerned. And I think he proved why. So I, I'm excited. Uh, I mean, his route running looked crisp, his yards after catch looked crisp. So I don't know, man, I, I, I think that the only thing that he can do, you know, better, so to speak is, him just going out there and replicating the performance again this weekend. Yeah. Um, kind of to just, just piggyback off of the things you said, Matt, I, I just want to, you know, uh, just kind of touch on what Matt LaFleur had. Well, I guess I'll do it later when we talk about, you know, the um, episode of uh, one just drive. But um, as far as like what, he did this game. He he once again gave us uh, flashes of why he is um, a second round pick. Like he he looked really good. He looked you know really decisive. Um, he he looked like he picked up a route or two in his tree. Um, he he showed us that that catch radius. He he showed me he was a lot stronger than what I thought he was. Um, on that third and what eighteen. Or whatever it was, he got the 18 yards, you know, dragging people with him. So dude has really shown his worth, shown his medal. And I think he'll continue to get better, man. Um, and just be a, a solid contributor this season. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's really all I got, man. He, he looked good. He looked apart. He looked big. He looked strong. He looked fast. He looked like a guy who has found his way back. And he looked like a guy, like you said, Matt, that is not on the bubble, nor has he ever been. So it is what it is. Yeah, I agree. I think we can all agree that one weak spot on this offense is going to be tight end. None of the tight ends really showed me anything. Uh, Nobody really separated themselves. Tyler Croft started the game, I believe. Uh, No, Ryan Griffin actually started the game, I believe. Tyler Croft got some snaps in there. Herndon had one catch. And uh, none of us think that Trevon Wesco is actually going to be uh, a threat, a receiving threat out of this, out of this group. Uh, you can't fix anything. You can't fix everything in one season, in one off season. So tight end is definitely going to have to be a, a position that they address. Uh, we've seen with Kyle Shanahan that the tight end could become an integral part of this system. So I think that uh, along somewhere along the lines, the Jets are going to have to 
uh, upgrade that position. Kenny Yaboa, who some people th- thought was going to possibly be able to, you know, push for a starting role. He actually had the lone, the lone turnover for the Jets in this game, a bad fumble. He got lit up by two guys. Um, yeah, I saw Herndon miss a block. I, I, how do you guys feel about the tight end room? Because I, I, it doesn't give me any confidence at all. I got nothing. I mean, realistically, you're gonna have to wait to see who the roster cuts are after this uh, this next preseason game, and, and maybe take a flyer on someone. Because I mean, obviously, every position can't be upgraded in one offseason. Every position can't be upgraded in one draft. That's just kind of how it works. But I mean, I think that when Lafleur came over from San Fran, we all knew what they like to do with their tight ends, what they ask of their tight ends, and and that's pretty much our weakest point, I would say, on the offense right now. So I think that they have to address it. Um, I mean, I'm sick and tired of hoping for the last, what, two years that Herndon takes that next step, that he learns how to look balls into his hands and stop trying to run before he secures the ball and and learns how to block a little bit better and so on and so forth. But, I mean, realistically, it's definitely worrisome. Um, Do I think it's going to get fixed, you know, with all these roster cuts and stuff? No. Would I look into making, you know, a move if possible for the right price? Absolutely. But I think realistically, we're so close to the season that this might just be the the tight end room we're going to walk into the season with. And I mean, it's sad, but they're again, we're four deep, five deep, six deep at, you know, the other, you know, position players, uh, wide receiver and running back. So you kind of hope that they can pick up the slack. So that's kind of just my thoughts on, on the tight end room as a whole and, and how we have strength in other rooms that maybe can compensate for it. Man, I don't, I don't think it's too late. I, I think somebody would step up and I wouldn't say be a, an integral part of the offense. I think they'll be a contributor, uh, be decent at times. And I think the position as a whole, we could get maybe 30 catches out of. Um, I don't expect a whole lot from, and a lot of, you know, a lot of people made a, a stink about your boy and, uh, you know, talked about the deal that he got. And, you know, the, the judge spent, you know, gave him the biggest deal as an undrafted free agent and I'm like dude it's like 200,000 that's that's not going to protect him from getting you know cut or or placed on the practice squad it's 200 grand it's a workout bonus for veterans yeah you know like you know things can be skewed to fit whatever narrative people want them to fit but like that's that's not even a part of it you know I honestly thought he would be a little better. I mean, I, I'm I'm from Mississippi. I watched Ole Miss a lot, so I, I've I've watched this kid, um, and I thought he'd be better. I think he still can be better. It just may take some time, but I mean, if he's if he's cut, I don't think he he clear waivers. Um, I think somebody snatch him up because the kid has good size, talent, speed. Just need to figure it out, man. I mean, we say the same thing about Herndon. I don't know what's going on with him. I, I really don't. Um, West Coast should just be a fullback. 
They they should try to turn him into a uh, juice chick. Cal, uh, what how you how you pronounce it? Cal use chick. Yeah, you know he should be a fullback or whatever because I mean Duke can block, but I don't see him as being a big threat. Out you know as a catcher. Um, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be the H back. He's gonna be that motion back, the extra yeah. down the line. That's what he does. I just group him in there with a tight end because technically he is a tight end. Yeah, and. Um, I think Tyler Croft will probably be the starter. Yeah, if I if I had to choose from anybody in that crop of guys, I'm, I'm just going to take the best blocker, honestly. And the best blocker of that group is either Wesco or Tyler Croft. But inline blocker is probably going to be Tyler Croft. Now, who has the most talent in that room? Easily Chris Herndon. But you know, like we said, I don't think Chris Herndon is ever going to be that guy that we saw in in his rookie year. But listen, man, I thought the offense looked pretty good uh there's definitely a lot to build on and i think that there's there's a lot to build on so i think this week we're really going to see what they have against the team that's going to also be playing their first stringers now let's switch over to this defense the defense the defense and what we've been talking about since what feels like damn near what february this defensive line is going to cause problems for any offensive line unit this season Carl Lawson looked fast. Foley Fadokasi did what he did. Rankins was in. I it just it just it just all looked good. And I think the 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 guy who's done himself the most, uh, who's who's earned himself the most money, who's earned himself the most pub has been Bryce Huff. And I think for an undrafted free agent, Bryce, this is Bryce Huff's first offseason, pretty much his first training camp. His real his first real training camp in preseason, and he wasted no time beating the Giants' first string right tackle Matt Parrott for a sack. And Bryce Huff has just continued to do what he's been doing all year. Uh, what did you guys think about the D line's performance as a whole, TK? Oh man, it was it was validation to everything that we've been saying since day one. Like I, you guys remember. I, I can't think what month it was, but I, I did the little little write up and I went down the, the line and I called it the uh oh uh Saks Fifth Avenue. And like I named all of these different guys and, and gave all these attributes about them in this write-up. And like they're showing everything that we've said over and over and over. Um but the biggest surprise to me was the rookie Jonathan Marshall. Like, what was he, seven round? Six round, seven round? Six, six rounder. Yeah. So, like, you know, that could be that that diamond in the rough, man. Um, he looked, he looked good. Huff, my goodness. Like, <laughs> he came out from the jump letting them know that he's for real. And I I was just, you know, excited to to see that uh take take place, man. And and when you look at it as a whole, these guys are doing all of this stuff while Q is getting healthy. So I couldn't help but sit there and imagine how, you know, forceful and, and how deadly this line will be once you got the guy in the middle, you know, occupying space and, and, and taking up blockers and, and, and getting all this attention to let Lawson and, 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 JFM and Kyle Phillips when he comes back and Huff and everybody else just roam free and do their thing attacking the quarterback. It's, it's going to be something to see, man. We we will have a, a very, very deadly front seven. And that's the reason why I'll be taking them in one of my leagues as well. 
the strength of our team as a whole was on display from the first play. I mean, realistically, they're going to be fast. They're going to be really fast because, I mean, Bryce Huff might have got the sack, but but Carl Lawson, his get off on that first play, I mean, he was, I don't know, half a second away, half a second away from from absolutely destroying Glennon. I mean, Bryce Huff is is everything. The Joe Douglas has, has constantly harped on, like, priority undrafted free agents, and Bryce Huff was one of those guys. And we're kind of seeing why, because, I mean, this is the first offseason you brought in Salah and, and you simplified the approach and just told these guys, hey, go get after the quarterback. And if that's what we're going to be asking these guys to do in this 4-3 defense, then it, it's going to be a nightmare for these guys. Because just think, I mean, Bryce Huff, like you said, Quinton Williams wasn't on the field, but Sheldon Rankins had one of the meanest spin moves on the inside I've seen in a while. Um, it's just going to be it's going to be a mess for, for opposing quarterbacks. I mean, realistically, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, even I, I don't want to touch too much on the linebackers, but I mean, CJ Mosley making that tip pass right off the back, realizing that the, the pass play and was able to drop back in coverage real quick and tip. It was just they're all lean. They're all fast. And, and it's just what it is. That's what I was able to take away from it. And it's only going to get better for all for for you know, the Jets defensive line with the fact that they're going to have a rotation. I mean, we didn't even touch on John Franklin Myers and and Q wasn't even playing. Sheldon was there. I mean, Shepard and, and Foley too. I mean, and, and to, to touch on your point to uh, TK, if Marshall turns out to be a player, then, you know, watching, you know, Nathan Shepard at the end of the year walk away and just replace him with a guy that, that may or may not just be able to do what he does, you know, what Shepard did or, or better is, it's just good, solid drafting and, and thinking about the future, too, while also, you know, drafting a, the best available player at the pick. So, I mean, honestly, I, I left thoroughly impressed with that 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 front seven, that defensive line specifically. And I just think that Quinnen actually came off the, the, the pup list this week. So it's it's going to be it's going to be rough for some opposing quarterbacks. And it's only going to get get better as the season goes on, in my opinion. Hell, Shepard yeah. might not make it. <laughs> He, I, I'm serious, man. Uh, if if Marshall continues to show that, and again, we'll see again this week. But hell, they may be trying to move Shepard if they can. I mean, well, uh, I think I think Jonathan Marshall will clear waivers. I think you think so. Waivers. I yeah, I just can't I just can't forget what I saw Nathan Shepard do in place of Quinn Williams last year. Yeah, I, I've seen him do it against. You know, number ones. I've seen him do it in NFL games that matter. So uh, Jonathan Marshall, yes, he's he's supremely athletic. He's explosive, but I, I just think that uh, Nathan Shepard is a third rounder. So if he plays out his contract, they're going to get a comp pick for him. I truly think this is how that, that that's the Baltimore school of doing things. They always how many times do they draft guys like Jarrett Johnson? And you just all like Danell Ellaby. They always draft these guys in like the mid rounds. They, they they go from being role players. Sometimes they go to being rotational players and contributors and they let them go and then they get compensation picks. So I think, I think that that, and that's how you, that's how you stay relevant. That's how you keep the talent pool uh, flush. And I think that that's what they're going to do. And I think that you'd be able to stash somebody like Jonathan Marshall on, on the practice squad, unless he just absolutely balls out and somebody else from another team just sees that and then takes him. But I, I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like if, if we see him really shine, these last two, because I, you know, it'll come down to the last group of cuts for that defensive line. I honestly believe, but my 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 point is that, like, if he really and truly shine, 
I I don't know if they they're willing to to risk that. Honestly, you know, him, that, him clearing yeah. waivers. Honestly, before before any of those guys get released, they're going to injury. They're going to they're going to IR um, play some of those guys because there's there's just too many. They uh, they're really giving Zuniga a hard look. They're giving um, even Hamilcar Rashid had a um, had a sack. Even though he came in untouched, he didn't really have to work any moves. Um, but yeah, like all these guys are are, are looking good, and and a lot of like they're going to have to cut a few of them. So, so we'll see. I'm actually super excited to see what they do against uh, Green Bay this this weekend. Uh, let's move up to the linebackers. C.J. Mosley. Uh, <laughs> I just forget how good it was to have C.J. Mosley for those two quarters <laughs> for that half of football. Um, he had a pass deflection, had a couple tackles. But the linebacker I really want to talk about is Hamza Nasruddin. He looks good. Uh, he's flying. He, he's flying around. He's setting the edge. He's making plays, and he also recovered the fumble. So he he looked really well. Uh, he looked really good out there. Jamie and Sherwood got some snaps, and he looks pretty good. I think Jamie and Sherwood is definitely going to be the Sam next year after Jared Davis plays out his contract. Uh, the linebackers look fast. They look good. Um, the line the linebacker depth does worry me. I said that last week. Uh, so hopefully everyone stays healthy, but. I think the line, that linebacking core, uh, that that starting core is looking good, but I, I'm a little worried about the backup Mike. Oh man, I mean, I think the linebacking cores looked really, really, really good. But I think you should take a bow, Mark. I think I think Dean's going to be the starter just at will right off the bat. I mean, I've seen nothing but articles about it, and people are still in shock that he fell to the sixth round because of how he looked in what. Four, I think he played almost four quarters of, of professional preseason football. So Hamza looked really good. I think that he's gonna he's a lock to be to be the starting will. I think CJ Mosley. You can just tell that him losing those fifteen pounds or or whatever it was. You could just tell from that first play from scrimmage that that he looks faster. The offense looks. Fa- I'm sorry, the defense looks faster. And uh, there's not there's really not much more to say. I mean, we knew going into this that the the front seven is going to be the strength of this team anyway. But yeah, without a doubt, I think that they they looked good. And uh, to your point again, I agree that I think that the the backup Mike is going to be a little bit of a, a question mark. But I mean, we'll, we'll we'll let it play out. The best man's going to get the get the job, and it's just what it is. But ultimately, I think that just in that short first couple of quarters of football where we were able to confirm what we already knew, which is that Hams is probably going to be the starting will CJ Mosley looks like he's motivated as ever. And he's, he's looking good. Like he's going to be good in space. He's going to get back to being that premier middle linebacker that, that we all know him as, especially back to his Baltimore Raven days. And, you know, it's only up from here. So for me, man, I, um, it really did my heart really good to see CJ come out the gate making that play. I, I I really, I was really excited about that. And yeah, again, it's preseason. I get it. But for somebody to be gone for two years like that injury, you know, COVID, you got doubt setting in within yourself, people down you, so on and so forth. For him to come out and, and make that play immediately and show, you know, like he said the week before, I'm a MF and dog. It was it was really good to see, man. Um, of course, Nasruddin. We said we said that from the beginning. He got drafted. We knew what it was with him. 
Uh, I'm I'm liking Sherwood. I'm hoping Cashman can can do something he hasn't done yet, which is stay healthy all 16, 17 games now. And uh, I think they'll they maybe will add another person once the, you know the cuts start happening and so on. But yeah, man, I'm 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 liking what I'm seeing. Yeah, I, Cashman was actually out there for the coin toss, so he might be a special teams captain. So I think that he's going to contribute in, in some form or another. And I would hope he stays healthy too, because I think he's going to be a really important backup. Because uh, other, or maybe Sherwood too. But yeah, moving on. Let's move. If you guys got nothing else for the linebackers, we can move on to the secondary. I thought the secondary played pretty well. Everybody except for Corey Valentine had a pretty good night. I feel. Got him. Uh, Bryce Hall. I thought Bryce Hall looked pretty good. I thought, um, you know who really impressed me? I was just talking about who impressed me. Brandon Eccles. I thought Brandon Eccles was tested a couple times. We saw we saw his athleticism. He's super twitchy. Uh, his straight line speed is phenomenal. Obviously, we know with the low 4-3. Uh, we know we also know it, 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 isn't it funny how all the all of the 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 draft picks Everything that we heard about them, we actually kind of got to see on display. Jonathan Marshall was super explosive. Zach Wilson's arm. Uh, we didn't get to see Elijah Moore, but we got to see Michael Carter, super shifty. Brandon Eccles, they said that he had a, a he's really explosive, has a high vertical. We saw him on that deep pass uh, def- with uh, with that pass deflection. He came up and uh, he was in on um, a lot of positive plays. Uh, the safeties, I mean, the safeties were fine. I'm not really worried about the safeties at all. I think Marcus May and Lamarcus Jordan are going to complement each other very well. Yeah, it was good. How did the uh, how did the young TBs look to you, TK? Um, I'm excited about Bryce Hall. I'm excited about Brandon Nichols. I uh, I know what my guy Javelin Gidry is going to do. Um. That's what I forgot about. Yeah, Gidry, yeah, you get props on that. I I know, you know, where we stand with him. And I, I want to see, you know, I'm, I'm going to continue to watch the secondary throughout this preseason, man, but I'm starting to feel a lot better about him than where I was, you know, three, four weeks ago. You're hearing all the stories getting burnt in, in practice, blah, 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 blah so on and so forth, but then you you start hearing, especially Bryce Hall, then you see him in action, and then, you know, you got you got Eccles, you know, doing his thing, and it, again, there would be bumps in, in the road because they're all so young. Every last one of those guys. But I, I think, I honestly think that the cornerback room will be a lot better than what we all expect. And like you, I'm not really worried about Joyner or May. I'm worried about backups if one of them get injured. But, again, uh, I think that may be addressed once the other cuts start happening from other teams. So, all in all, it was a good look this this past week. Yeah. Uh, like you said, like you both said, I'm not concerned about the safety room at all. I think that we'll be all right there, so I won't really touch on it. But the cornerback room – Salah said from the beginning, they said from the beginning, all these guys are going to get some looks. They're going to get plenty of plays to show what they can do. And everything that we've been told that they're, they excel at, you know, is what we've seen on table. I mean, Javelin, Javelin Gidry has like legit four, two speed. Like he's fast in and out of his breaks, diagnosing the plays. I think there was a fourth down where he stopped at a, you know, his, you know, timing to, to get there was just really, really good. But I think that echoes play where he, 
I think it was a broken coverage too. And he had that makeup speed where you saw the vertical in action when he jumped up there and he tipped that ball. So a lot to be excited about. Obviously we didn't see much from Michael Carter. I don't, not, not, nothing that really stuck out to me, but I think, you know, TK said, it. I think the one player that I think I'm really excited about is Bryce Hall. I mean, I mean, last year when we took him, everyone was saying that it was a steal of a pick. And I think we're kind of starting to see why, because he easily could have been in that second round conversation at one point before his injury. So I think a hundred percent Bryce Hall is going to be going to be a problem. And we're even seeing it this week with these joint practices. I mean, to just today, seeing the the reports coming out of, out of the practices, Bryce Hall was, was going one-on-one with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers is obviously no slouch throwing the ball. So, I mean, I, I watched some of the highlights. Obviously, I understand it's practice. This is all practice. Even the preseason games, you got to take with a grain of salt. But Bryce Hall is a technician. He really is. And and when you have a corner as big as him and, and with technique that that very well could, you know, take that next step forward this year, it's something to be excited about. Obviously, Bless Austin, we didn't hear too much about. But kind of, I, I feel like with Bless, he's been around long enough that we kind of know what we're going to get with him. We're going to get some pretty bad coverage sometimes, but we're going to get some really solid tackling. We're going to get some good plays in coverage. So uh, overall, I would say that just watch, look, watching that preseason game, watching the, the joint practices, that I have a, I feel a little bit better about the, the corner room. Obviously, I still think that in the future going forward, we're going to have to add some talent to that room. But right now, going into the season, we've seen what we wanted to see from that front seven getting the pressure. And if that pressure is getting there, it takes a load off the secondary. And if, if the front seven is as good as advertised, as good as we think it's going to be, then I think that the secondary is going to have a lot of valuable time to, to, you know, get better in their technique, get better in their coverage and so on and so forth. And it's just overall, I'm, I'm excited. And I think that the, the secondary room as a whole is, is in good hands. We're young, but I think that they're doing a good job coaching these guys up. Yeah, I think it's going to be Bryce Hall and everyone else. I think Bryce Hall is CB1. And I th- I really think they, they like Eccles because he got a lot of run. I think Eccles is going to challenge. Eccles is going to challenge Bless. So I'm going to be looking forward to that. I think this week is we're, we're going to really get a good idea. It's good not to not to overreact in one way or the other, because this week we're definitely going to get a good idea of, of what these guys can do and, w- and what they're capable of going against Green Bay's first team. Um, there were some cuts, unfortunately, after this game. One of the one of our, I think, another weak spot of the Jets is is going to be that kicking game. Chris Nagar, the undrafted kicker from SMU, was let go. He had a very bad miss on, I think it was a fifty three yarder. Now, fifty three yarder, it's not a you know, it's it's not a layup, but NFL kickers should be able to make a fifty three yarder look much closer than Chris Nagar did. And I don't think that he just I just don't think that right at this moment, you know, kickers kickers mature at, at different rates unless you're like Mason Crosby or Mike Nugent or one of those guys or Janikowski. It takes those guys a while to get their footing, no pun intended. And, um, yeah, so Nagar's out of there. So I think that Matt Amendola is going to be the, the kicker for this week. But I think the Jets are going to be waiting on some cuts soon because I, I, I don't kicking can't be an issue for them this year. Uh, also, Michael Drumford. Uh, D. Lyman, he was let go. He was an undrafted free agent. He actually had a couple of good plays, but honestly, man, if if you're on this D line, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be really tough to crack this rotation. And then uh, it was also announced today that Alex Lewis was also cut, and then he um, then retired. 
So any guy, guys, what do you have on those cuts? Thoughts, concerns? Um, nah, not really, man. I mean, you know, uh, after I saw that miss, I was like, yeah, Nagar getting kicked to the curb, pun intended. But yeah, that does. That, yeah, we can't have that. Uh, I don't know, man. It, I, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think anything of it. They they cut Teen. What's his name? Teen Salts. Oh, Teen Salts. Yeah. Yeah. He he's gone. But I don't know, man. Yeah, they cut him when they brought in David Moore. Yeah. So the people we lost, man, not not a big deal. I'm gonna just yeah. be real. I, outside yeah. of Alex Lewis, who, who was slotted to be. You know, the starting guard, but other than that, no biggie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, don't. I, I think we could also see David Moore getting some more snaps too, possibly. With uh, if ABT doesn't play this week and if Feeney continues to struggle, I think they're going to look to, they're going to look to upgrade that spot. I don't think the cuts really make it, you know, it's not make or break. I think David Moore will get some, get some snaps and so on and so forth. But I think Alex Lewis retiring, I, I'm curious how that affects the uh, the salary cap. Cause I know he was on the hook for a little bit of money. I'm not sure if uh, the, the, it goes straight back into the cap or not, but other than that, the cuts didn't really make a difference to me. I mean, we all know that it's only going to get worse, you know, for uh, rosters are going to get pared down to what I think it's 54 this year, 53 this year. I, I, I don't remember, but we know these cuts are going to happen. And honestly, the kicking competition was an open competition. And I still don't feel comfortable about who who we have kicking in Amendola. I, I don't think he's proven at all. And to be honest with you, I think the only name that I could think that's still out there is I think Steven Gostkowski, if I'm not mistaken. He might be worth a look, but I still think that you got to bring in someone else to just compete because we've seen what a mess it can be. I mean, hopefully we're scoring more, you know, touchdowns instead of kicking, you know, 55-yard field goals all the time. So, I mean, there's that, but I still think that that it would be important to bring someone else in just because you, you got to have a competition there. You can't just hand the, hand the, the job to Amendola, who I think we just signed not too long ago. So other than that, I, the cuts didn't really make a difference to me. I mean, there's more to come. I mean, if there's any notable names, I'm sure we'll highlight them on the next pod next week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Once Jets Drive episode two came out, uh, I'm just loving all these. The only thing that's bad about it is that it's only half an hour. Uh, This week they highlighted uh, Corey Davis, actually the entire wide receiver core, which I thought was pretty cool. And um, last week it was a D line, and in the in the first big free agent signing this week it was the wide receiver. So Corey Davis led it. I thought it was pretty cool. We got to learn a little bit about Corey Davis. Religious man, very family oriented, and that's how you kind of want your number one receivers to be, and your and your vets to be, especially when you have a very young room. So I think that they just did a good job of putting putting the right temperament around their young team, because it's going to be hard when it's going to be it's it's going to be a tremendous learning curve when you're learning how to win and you're trying to change the culture. And I love one thing that Corey Davis said. He goes, you know, it's not the same old Jets. So every, everybody's on board with that. Everybody's trying to change the narrative. And I think that Corey Davis is a solid signing. He's a young guy, and I think his best football is ahead of him. Uh, uh, Matt, what did you take from episode two? 
Uh, Corey Davis is going to be the leader, and all he cares about is investing in improving a young quarterback. And he kind of – I know when he first signed, like he, they were kind of hounding him about who he was told was going to be the quarterback. And was he, like, disappointed in, you know, what the Jets ultimately decided to do in trading away Sam Darnold? But I think that's all behind us because if I'm being honest, I think Corey Davis just showed that he's going to be a leader on the on this team. And he, his mentality – I mean, he's only, what, 26 years old? And he's already got this mentality where it's like he's got to put food on the table. I think that this is the year. Obviously, we know he had the breakout year last year, which ultimately led to the payday. And, again, we didn't pay him a lot of money compared to some of the money other receivers got. But I think this is the year where he's going to take that step forward and he's going to really become the number one wide receiver that he was believed to be when he was drafted fifth overall. And I I think that's just keeping it short and sweet. But Corey Davis is going to be a monster. I think he's going to be – Zach Wilson's best friend, but I don't want that to take away or overshadow the fact that Keelan Cole, I think is just, we were just based on what what I was seeing. He, and we talked about this in pre-production. He just seems like he's going to be a likable guy. He's a guy that players are going to gravitate to, and he's got loads of untapped potential and he's just going to be a great compliment as, as a number two. Obviously I know when we signed him, we were discussing him, you know, assuming Denzel Mims was going to take that number two role, but I think Keelan Cole is going to have a really good year. And uh, I think that he's invested in improving the younger guys. And they had this little uh, little chat, I think, where they were talking about, uh, I think it was Denzel and, and Keelan sitting on like a bucket or something. They were talking to a reporter about how if we're not, if they're not going out there and competing, nobody's getting better. Nobody wins. So I think that that was just, I think that was the highlight of the episode is when, when Keelan Cole and Denzel Mims were sitting next to each other and they're just talking about how they're there to improve each other. They're there to improve themselves and they're there to compete. And that's what we've been told this whole offseason. The best players are going to get on the field. And I truly believe that that's the case. And I think Keelan Cole understands that. I think that, you know, he signed that one year, $4.5 million deal, and he's got boatloads to prove. And him and, and Denzel and Keelan said this in, in, in the episode was they kind of had similar, you know, similar years last year where they kind of had weird quarterback play turmoil, stuff like that, inconsistent quarterback play. And, they're just he's just there to to pick each other's brains and he has no problem helping other people get better as long as he's getting better. And that's what teams are. And I'm happy to see it translate, you know, from Keelan Cole to the other wide receivers we have. Man, the biggest thing that I took from from this episode is that the Jets have a perfect mix of veterans and young wide receivers. Like it's it's and the crazy part is the veterans aren't old guys. I think the oldest is 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 uh Jameson Crowder. He's 28. You know. And each one of those guys have something to prove. Like Crowder has something to prove because he knows he's going to be in the market next year. Um same with Cole. Like I think if Cole shows his worth this year, the the Jets will offer him uh, another deal, but he might test free agency. But that's that's down the line. But as of right now, this looks to be a very solid group. I like what he said um, in his little little interview in in the in the show was how each one of them offered something different, and how you know each one of them, you know you you want to you want to talk about strength, you go to Corey Corey Davis. You want to talk about speed, you know. Going down the field, you talk to me. You want to talk about going across the middle and getting the tough yard as you talk to Jameson Crowder. And, you know, they're just this, this fountain of information and, and 
and whatnot for all the younger players working their way in the league. And, you know, the way they talked about more uh, was, was great. I, I love the way that um, Matt LaFleur talked about uh, Denzel Mims um, and, and, and the way he's fighting his way, you know, through the, the, the youthful mistakes and the nonsense and the sickness and all of that. And, and he's showing his worth. And he continues to work. Like I, I loved it all, man. And again, I think this is another position group kind of like I said about the cornerbacks that would be a lot better than what people expect. I agree with you. I thought it was really big. I, and I, I love I love when, when we talk about something and, that, and then they kind of like just just with the natural progression of training camp that it kind of gets answered. Everyone was speaking about Denzel Mims and then everybody like it felt like this week was Denzel Mims appreciation week almost like, you know, like, like, like you know, we drafted this guy for a reason. This guy isn't a slouch. We, do, we think highly of him. And, and, and it's good. He's learning how to be a pro because I think a lot of us forget that there was no that there was no uh, preseason for these guys last year. So this is all new to them. Uh, so I love it. I love the camaraderie. I think Keelan Cole has an infectious personality. I think that Elijah Moore is all business. I love the little, uh, the little, you know, the personal shot that they did with uh, giving his mom the blank check. Uh, I, I don't know. I just feel like they have a lot of high character guys. And I think that this group, just like you said, it actually might be from a talent standpoint, might be the second, talented group on the team behind the D-line. You just think about one through five. They got some dogs. So so, so that's, so that's going to be good, man. Uh, what else do you guys have to add before we get out of here? Uh, honestly, man, I, I really I really don't have much to add, man. Just I'm looking forward to this, this game against Green Bay. Um, what do you need to see? What do you want to see from the offense? So what I, what I want to see is uh, the continuation of what we saw from Zach. I want to see Corey Davis give Jair Alexander that work in real, you know, game time. We we've heard that he's been giving it to him um, in practice. And as an aside, if, if he really is doing that, we're talking about a top five cornerback, probably top three cornerback, getting worked by Corey uh, Davis in his office. So I, I want to see that. Um, I want to continue to uh, see that defensive line do its thing. And, you know, Lawson keep giving them fits and Huff keep giving them fits. And I want to see how Bryce Hall fares against uh, Devontae Adams. Like, if this was a game of Mortal Kombat, he's like the next to the last dude or or whatever as far as, like, wide receivers are concerned. And I want to see how Bryce Hall fares against him. So that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I think you highlighted pretty much everything I was going to say. I think realistically from Zach, I just want to see some clean drives. They're going to be playing half a dozen of, of, of snaps. So I'm, I'm hoping for some clean drives, some third down conversions. Um, I want to see the running game. I want to see them some continue to to run to the left and, and push Becton a little bit to see if he can, uh, you know, open some lanes and so on and so forth. And we can, you know, kind of just, I don't want to say come to a consensus as to who, who RB1 is going to be, but, you know, I just want to see all of them get some touches throughout the game. 
Zach Wilson have a clean, uh, clean game. I want to see Corey Davis kind of use his, his, you know, very big frame against Jair. Cause I think that ultimately Corey Davis, like you, you highlighted TK is he's the strong wide receiver. So he's going to be the guy where it's like, you're going to throw those contested balls and he's going to go up and get them. Cause he's just that much, you know, more physically imposing than the guy he's going against. So I want to see that uh, on the defensive side, like you said, you highlight, I want to see Bryce Hall against a, a, the true number one wide receiver in the NFL, or at least top three wide receiver in the NFL by uh, very many people's you know, estimations. And then I just want to see the, uh, the the front seven get after it. I, I obviously Aaron Rodgers is probably one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL. So, you know, beyond that, Packers have a relatively good offensive line. I don't know if Bakhtiari is playing, but he's probably the best left tackle in the NFL. So, I mean, if, if our front seven can give that offensive line some fits, that's something to, to watch out for. And I'm, we're all keen on Carl Lawson. And I'm not sure if it's too soon, but is Quinnen's not going to be playing, right? He just came off the pup list like yesterday or two days ago. Yeah, yesterday, Tuesday. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to be playing. Okay. Well, I mean, other than that, I think Elijah Moore was rumored to – they want him to play. So yeah, He's working enough. towards that, but they'll, they'll know closer to the end of the week. Gotcha. And if, and if Elijah Moore is, is who we think he is, and let's say he does get on the field and he's playing against those twos and threes, if he's truly that that guy that we think that he can be, and a lot of people think that he can be, he should probably be running running circles around these these second second you know tier guys and third tier guys and doing what Denzel Mims did to the Giants second and third third stringers last week. So hey, if if Elijah Moore you know plays great, if not, I'll be keying on Denzel Mims again to see how he uh he kind of, you know, shows out again, so to speak, uh, this next game. Yeah. Yeah. Just to piggyback off everything that you guys said, love everything you guys said. Just want to see Zach Wilson. I want to see the offense take some shots downfield. Uh, Nothing too crazy. I just want to see them work off the play action. And I want to see Zach work um, maybe into like the deeper levels of the defense. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not really too concerned about who's RB one, because I think it's, it's just going to be a running back by committee. Definitely looking forward to the uh, Becton versus the Smiths matchup. Looking forward to Alexander versus Davis. Looking forward to our D line versus their O line. I want to see more domination. Uh, I want to and and pretty much. Oh, oh, sorry, Bryce Hall versus Devontae Adams. And everything else, I just want to see the young guys getting good reps. And I want to see John Franklin Myers in there. And and honestly, man, that, that that's pretty much it. I want to, I just want Beckton to to silence all that noise and I want there to be no injuries. And that's the only thing that I'm really looking forward to. You got something else, CK? You about, you about to say something? Yeah, I just want to throw in there. I want to continue to see the coaches call a good game. Continue yeah. to see the maturation of the coaches. Uh, because, you know, a lot has been said about Salah being a defensive coach. But to his credit, he's doing what he said he would do, which is let his coordinators do their thing. And we are seeing that. So I want to continue to see that. You think they're going to open up the playbook just a little bit more this this week? Sorry. Of course. No, that's what I was saying. Yeah, I think I think we're going to see at least three deep shots this week. Okay. Yeah, something off the play action, especially if the run gets going. I think I think they're going to let Zach, you know, open it up a little bit just to see what he can do and just to see how he how he surveys the field Um, after he turns his back to the defense and certain things like that. I think I think they're going to each week it's going to progress, and if it does progress to what I think it's going to be, I think I think we're going to be excited. So. Yeah, man, I think this is a big week coming up. So if you guys don't have anything else to add, man, 
listen we love doing we love coming with and, and kicking it with y'all weekly thanks for listening uh, on behalf of tk matt and myself this was the flight deck podcast episode 30 we'll catch you guys next week